Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to The Cleveland Browniacs, a show where two moderately intelligent guys attempt to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browniacs podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Cleveland Browniacs. I'm Joel. I'm here with Elliot. Say hi, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. Oh, no, I'm Elliot. Uh, That's why they call him the Village Elliot right Mm. there. So, hey. Another week of sports. You know, I was telling Elliot before we started, I think I just want to continue this conversation. I am really down on sports right now. Mm-hmm. And if you've listened to What the Elf Was That, you could probably tell that I'm pretty angry and pretty mm-hmm. frustrated and pretty down on sports. And, you know, I'm one of these people. I grew up on sports. I played football. The essence of who I am is is really football. Um, you know, on a personal note, when uh, when I was a little baby, my mom always told me that when I was a little baby, I would always be happy when I had a football. So if they ever needed me to like take a picture, they'd give me a football. I always, I always wondered why as a little kid, I always had footballs in every picture. It's like, that was the only way they could get me to smile. So I guess I was always in the the mood for a, a ruckus or something. And I would just smile if I had a football. So football is at the core of who I am. And I just, I'm kind of going through the blues of why the heck should I even watch this anymore? Well, yeah, that's a, Difficult question to answer. Now, certainly there are other productive things you could do besides watch sports. You could do self-improvement. You could go see a movie. Um, you could mow the lawn, except that it's starting to snow. But, you know, you could do things. that I would clean up the dog poop out of the backyard. 
yeah, you could do that. You could, could do all could do kinds that. of things that would be very productive that don't involve sports. You know, you're an adult now. You're not a baby anymore and you don't, may not need, maybe you do need that football in order to be happy. Maybe that is part of your internal programming that you cannot change. You may not have control of that part of your life. Maybe I'm just wired DNA to be around football. That's possible. You know, I guess if I'm going to be around football, I'd just like there to be, I don't know, some sense of this is an actual competition and not just a show. I think football has degenerated on so many levels into like the entertainment industry. And I just kind of miss football games. You know, people line up and play football games. Instead, yeah. we were talking about, I mean, I'm looking right here at my Echo show beside me, and it's got a picture of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And like, that's what football is anymore. Well, I'm happy to have Taylor Swift attend football games. I have no problem with that. I find that very entertaining. I like being entertained. I have no problem with that. So that one I'll, I'll uh, challenge you on. I don't have any problem with that. I guess what I have a problem with, really, um, ultimately, it's the inability to enjoy football for the sake of football. And it's all about... Uh, the ability really to predict the winner of the Super Bowl in advance. You know, people are unhappy. They won't watch football unless they believe that it's going to lead to the Super Bowl in February. Uh, like, for example, the, the uh, man, I, I can't stand people from ESPN that continue to comment on the New York Jets season as if they're, you know, what are we going to do to win the Super Bowl this year? Well, you're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. That doesn't mean that you can't enjoy your team or you can't enjoy uh, football. Now, I'll give you an example of what I do um, because I am an addict. And I'm not going to make any apologies for that. And it's not something that I'm going to be able to give up or I intend to give up at any point in my adult life. I go watch um, semi-pro football. We have a great league in Xenia, Ohio, and there are two teams that line up and play at a very high level that are not going to win anything. They're not making any money, and they just line up and they play football, and I like watching them play. Um, I don't really know why. It has nothing to do with designing rocket ships or nuclear reactors, which are things that I've uh, done at and you know, done and continued to aspire to continue in my professional life. Football doesn't really directly impact that. But I like football. I have since I was in um, elementary school, I guess since I started to increase just a little bit of male hormone, it's just something that <laughs> we did. You know, I really mm -hmm. did play in a gravel lot, uh, tackle football with my friends. We did it every day. Mm -hmm. And it's just... <laughs> We weren't going to the Super Bowl. Now I had, you know, a very inflated idea that of how good that I was. I was a, you know, uh, really bad player, but I didn't think I was at the time. Um, well, I'm just gonna say this: I enjoy watching football because I enjoy the strategy of. Football. I enjoy watching how offenses attack defenses, how defenses attack offenses, and I've learned that not everyone has an intuitive grasp of football like I do. I don't know if it's just because it's, you know, been ingrained in my system since I was old enough. I mean, when I was in first grade, I tried to walk onto my sixth grade football team. 
I mean, that literally happened. I tried to walk on the sixth grade football team and told I had to wait, and I like cried all the way home. You know, <laughs> so you know, football is just kind There's of. There's no crying in football. Well, in first grade when you couldn't play the sixth graders, they were like, "You're gonna get hurt." And I was like, "Well, let's go find out." <laughs> I'm ready to go, man. Really, let's find out. So I just it, it irritates me to see things like the cheating that has gone on in the NCAA and Major League Baseball and the NFL with the Patriots, you know, obviously the Astros, I'm talking about Michigan, just the integrity of the game itself. It's like nobody cares if these games are officiated terribly, if players are out there deliberately trying to hurt other players, Mm -hmm. if people are out there purposely recording things and, and just rampantly cheating beyond belief. They don't get fined. They, they may get slapped with you can't be on the sideline for a few weeks, but we're still going to let you like play for the national championship. Yeah, I just, at some point, the entertainment value surpasses the actual football value. And I guess that's where I'm at. Like by entertainment, I mean like the business of football, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the Big Ten makes money with Michigan being on the field as opposed to being in suspension. That the NCAA, I don't even know if they make money. Um, you know, that the NFL won't. NCAA, of course it. they make money. What are you talking about? That's um, and The NCAA is like the weakest organization I've ever seen. I don't think they do anything. They are now. Like, but, like, but, you know, five years ago, they were, you know, there was God, Jesus, and then right below Jesus was the NCAA. But yeah, whatever. that has changed. I mean, nowadays you can get to Kyle McCord. I'm reading reports where. You know, Kyle McCord is in the uh, NIL, not the NIL, what's it called now? It's not free agency. It's uh, the transfer portal and how Kyle McCord's dad approached Matt Rule in Nebraska for $3 million in cash to transfer to Nebraska. The the NIL has completely changed the way college football is run. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Caleb Williams basically said, I can make more money playing college football than I can play pro football. And I think he's actually being serious. Like I, I can make right, yeah, make more money playing football in Los Angeles than I will playing in some backwater team in the NFL. And at some point, the the process of entertainment, the business of entertainment, has compromised the the level of athletic competition. Like it's not an athletic competition. It's how do we get the most popular teams in the most popular it's, states mm-hmm. into the biggest games that we can because that's what makes us money on an entertainment value. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can make sense out of Michigan. That's the only way I can make sense of out of these referees and the way they call football games. It's the only way I can make sense of what's going on. I mean, why doesn't MLB re- like make the Astros forfeit that World Series? Why not? You've, mm-hmm. you've said my the, the process the freaking owner said yeah our cheating directly impacted games but we're not doing that because we don't want to what alienate the fan base in Houston but we're gonna alienate every other fan base in major league baseball over it I I, I just think dollars talk too much right now too much the the mm-hmm. line has shifted between let's market a game to Let's make money, and if we have to compromise the game in the process of making money, that's what we'll do. Yeah, no, I think that's certainly true. It's, it's uh, an athletic competition, but it's also a beauty pageant. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, there's certain, uh, you know, I guess, you know, baseball has really kind of lost its appeal for me because so much of it 
is about the financial skill of the owner uh, at raising large sums of money and going out and paying for this free agent or that free agent. And I'm, I'm not really, you know, that impressed by uh, acquisition as part of the athletic process. I really just don't think that that's football is much more interesting. NFL football is much more interesting because they at least have a salary cap and there is really uh, quite a bit of science in putting a team together. Mm -hmm. I think football is the most complicated game, the most difficult game in the world. Uh, even despite the fact that that the commercial aspects uh, do tend to usurp the athletic competition to a great degree, I would say that you're absolutely right that the commercial aspects uh, dwarf the athletic aspect, and you know, um, it's it's not in any way pure sport. Um, I'm going to watch it anyway, just because I find it's entertaining. I'm not obsessed with winning the Super Bowl uh, per se. I mean, I think that should be the goal of every player. Um, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be that depressed if the Browns don't win the Super Bowl. I just really am not. Um, well, I'm going to agree with you. I'm not going to be depressed either. I would just like to to turn on the TV every week and think that uh, all things being equal, the better team on that field is going to win. And, and problem is, is not that all things are equal. I don't, I don't think it's stacked up to be equal. I think it's a matter of, it's not okay. Let's let's find out who wins this game. It's let's orchestrate who wins this game. There one you go. Or another because gonna... that's what's going to make us the most money as an ownership group or as. Uh, I think it's more network driven. I think networks look at this situation and say we need people like Dallas and the Giants and the Jets, they talk about incessantly. I have no idea why. Because they're in New York, right? And people yeah. watch them from New York, and that's they their the base. get the best ratings if they talk about yeah, New I York mean, teams. It reminds me of when I lived in Chicago. I lived in Illinois for a long time. And, um, you know, the capital of, of Illinois is in Springfield, which is, like, not Chicago, okay? And... Everything is voted on through direct by like, it's just basically if half the population thinks this should happen, that's what it is. It's not like a college electoral college system, like on the federal level. Mm -hmm. So essentially the city of Chicago runs the entire state of Illinois. Okay. So when I was there, Michael Boy Blagojevich was going through all of his stuff. He had Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. and I'm not talking about all the politics of all this, but Illinois politics is shady as crap. <laughs> okay, but Blagojevich like said, look, I'm going to set up the government in Chicago. Like, I'm not even going to go to Springfield. So he set up the governor's office in Chicago because he that that's his that's his fan base. That that's his his voting base. Right. This is like what's happening right now. Like, we're just going to like change the way things run to like serve the bases that actually serve us. So if you are ESPN, why are you not marketing? L.A., Chicago, New York, Dallas, Pittsburgh's in that one because a lot of people in Pittsburgh watch football. You know, why are you not just doing that? And I think they're doing the same thing with Cleveland, right? Cleveland fans really react to negativity. Whatever we like it or not, that's what they react to. So if you get on national media and you start being negative about Cleveland, you're going to get that fan base to react and to tune in and to give you clicks. And I think that's all that's happening. That's why we see all the stupidity all the time. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting theory. I think that's very possible. Um, so anyway, I've got the football blues. 
Yeah, I think to further compound this was TJ Watt's crap this week. Right, this guy comes out in a press conference. I like TJ Watt. I think he came out in a press conference. Okay, and said, "I'm being held. They're not calling it. The NFL got something going against me." We're talking about TJ Watt. Yeah, that's I mean, beneath him. What Um, in the world? Yeah, my my point is this: we watch Miles Garrett every week. Same thing. Almost get his ripped head ripped off every week. We've seen his helmet literally ripped off of him. Arms around his neck like they're choking him to death. People hitting him high and low simultaneously. None of this crap's getting called. And then TJ Watt's going to come out and say, "I'm not." Somebody's got something against me. I mean, doesn't even watch the passer half the time. Actually, I'd say that it's probably true, but it's also probably Miles Garrett uh, that you know that the superstar pass rushers. you know, they have to bend the rules in order, you know, these people, these pass rushers are so good that they have to bend the rules in order to make the game playable. Otherwise these pass rushers would dominate to such a degree that the quarterbacks would die. That's basically what it is. So that, yeah, the rules are not being enforced to the letter of the law. And there's a reason for that. These defensive ends are so good that, uh, they they're disruptive and the uh, officials have decided, you know, it's a, you know, conspiracy, you can call it that, but they're just not going to enforce uh, holding the same way that they would against a normal human, you know, quote unquote, normal human being. They just well, don't apply to well, obviously the, the, your the, talents. It's the not logic, fair. Right. The logic of that is if we let miles Garrett run ruck shot, there's not going to be a quarterback in the NFL that's healthy. What would happen? What would happen? Well, first of all, no. What would happen is that they would simply call penalties, play after play after play. After See, and play. and and this is the crap that the Ravens pull that also infuriates me about football. You get a team out there that realizes that an official is not going to call a penalty on you every single play. So if you go out there every single play and hold, grab, pass interference, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you just do it every single play. You basically normalize that behavior to the point where, like, nobody's going to yeah. call it. I mean, that—that's mm-hmm. the kind of crap that comes into football nowadays. Like, okay, this now, is the kind of crap that should be eliminated from the game. Okay, now that's true, but it's hard to do. The thing is, is that football violence uh, is so uh, spontaneous and so prevalent that it's very hard to regulate and say what is going to be a penalty and what is not very hard to do that. But definitely I, I, I agree that uh, miles Garrett is held on every play and you could call it on every play. TJ Watt is also correct that he's held on every play. I don't know that holding a press conference is going to do anything about it except get it being laughed at. I don't think that's really what he wants. He'll get him fined. Maybe I mean, if he was a normal person, he'd get fined. Well, actually, yeah. If you're going to criticize the referees, that is a fine. He should be fined for yeah, that. Yeah, he won't be fined. And, Come on. Well, he should be fined. No, oh, he, he yeah, so should the Broncos players. That is against, like, that is against the rules to criticize the officials. If you accuse them of having a conspiracy against you, that is criticism of the highest order. He should be fined not only for breaking the rule, but just for being dumb. I mean, my God, no, he'll TJ, be fine. Say that kind of stuff, even if it's true. Yeah, he'll be fine because what he's done is he's planted a seed in the in the 
ahead of the fan base that things aren't on the up and up. They don't care if things aren't on the up and up. They don't care if people get held, speared, injured, people are cheating. They don't care about that stuff. What they care about mm-hmm. is whether you or I think the game is unfair because then we'll, we'll stop watching. What they what they need really is, you know, this game is controlled by what? Gambling. And they want uh, the rules to be consistently applied rather than fairly applied. And we know consistently that Miles Garrett and TJ Watt are not going to get the holding calls that they should be getting, but it's going to be consistent from week to week. You're not going to you're not going to suddenly see that. Oh yeah, we're going to call a holding on every play now. That's not going to happen. Um, they well, are I think going it's to ridiculous that how how long's TJ Watt been in the league? Um, about uh, thirty five years, and he's just now figuring out that I think he was in the same draft calls when he drafted in uh, 2017. I don't, I don't know, but it seems he really, was, but he was late in the first round. Is he really just um, now figuring out that people aren't calling holding on him? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. No, it's ridiculous on it's a number taken of levels. that long. He, he cannot criticize the officials by rule. Uh, so yeah, he's out of line. The NFL is uh, obligated to find him and plus they have to defend the officiating all they can really ask for is that they apply the rules consistently from week to week, even if they are grossly unfair, which they are. I, you know, I think these guys are so good. They're so good that in order to make the game playable, they have to not make as many calls as they do. That's basically the rationale. You can't call. Yeah, it's just, what if you called holding on every play? It's, it's How good of a game would that be? Yeah, that, that's this is like the point I made about the Ravens, right? If you call like they defensive hold, their defensive linemen grab offensive linemen so their linebackers can run free and become like all pro. It happens all the time. Their well, their corners will just grab wide receivers coming off the line of scrimmage. You can't call it every play, and then anytime it gets called, you act like they killed their firstborn son or something. Okay, now what's and like what's you can't call it every play. What's inconsistent here, following your train of thought, and I'm, and I'm re- not really expert enough to comment about who's um, – uh, I, I generally agree with that, although I haven't really made a systematic study of it. But the Ravens should be the most penalized team in the NFL if they're committing the most penalties. Now, they may not be penalized on every play, but no, it, it's just it's just another example. Penalized if they are committing the most penalties. Now that it's, part it's just another is, example is of fixable. teams. It's just another example of a team living in the gray, right? They understand where the rule book is, okay, and what you should do mm-hmm. to run a fair They're game. They also influence. understand that the officials can't sit and call plays every play. It can't pe- call penalties every play. So what they do is they normalize being doing penalties so, so if you call a penalty every play and then you don't call it then you call it the next play the corner or whoever's mm-hmm. going to come to you and say why didn't you call that the last play and then harbaugh's going to go over there you've let us do it all game why don't you call it now right so that becomes the argument like you didn't call it before so why are you going to call it now and then in the end you have these teams living in the gray now if every team were to live in the gray then you'd have to have some situation, but you get a team that actually tries to go out there and play football by the rules of football. And it's like law and it's like life. 
law isn't there to catch criminals. Law is there to keep honest people being honest. If you're an honest person, the law tells you how to be an honest person. But if you're a criminal, you don't care about the law. You're going to push every aspect of that law you can. And we have teams like the Ravens that do this. We have the team like the Steelers that do this. We have other teams like the Patriots that do this. Like at least they used to. I don't know if they do anymore. But they're always writing that. If they are, but do what? It ain't working if they are. Uh, well, that's what the uh, Washington Commanders said when they were accused of uh, paying officials, right? Well, they didn't yeah. get us very far, did it? You know, like oh, that's not even an answer. You know, and you got the teams like Michigan, another Harbaugh team that's like pushing the gray line of all these rules because they're not honest people and therefore they're not going to follow the law, which functions to keep them honest. So if you got people doing this, then those elements rise to the top and get to determine who the national championships are, who wins the Super Bowls, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. situation. And then when you have a governing body that doesn't care and just says, okay, you won the World Series this year, and uh, congratulations to you. And, like, what, we want to take a draft pick from you. Really? In baseball, you're taking somebody's draft picks? Those draft picks aren't even going to, like, get anywhere. Yeah, it yeah, was not. A, it was not an appropriate enough punishment. Um, I think it's hard to undo something uh, once it's been accomplished. But that, that's yeah, why I'm they, asking, they like, why? Are, why is the Cheaters NCAA? Are rewarded. Cheaters are rewarded. In yes, sport. they are. It is true. And I and I just cheat again, crime back does to pay, and that's a good life lesson. You know, crime does pay. Um, cheaters are rewarded, and you can get away with stuff. And I mean, if I was a, an NCAA head coach right now, I'd be calling up this Connor Stallings guy. Is that his name? I'd be calling his his booty up like, hey, you got anybody else? Get anybody else I can get out here to steal signs? Because, like, clearly if I go out and steal signs, I'm going to get paid more. The program's going to have more prestige. They mm-hmm. may catch me and kick me off the sideline for a week or two. But in the end, I've made money for the university and now the university is going to reward me. And if this one won't, there's another one that there's another university somewhere that wants their program ris- risen to a prominent level. If I can take a program from 500 mm-hmm. by cheating to college football playoffs, then the, the school's going to do it. Yeah. You know, I guess the thing is, though, sign stealing is legal, though. It's the point. Well, not the way they're were, doing it. Yeah. I mean, well, I was going to say, it's the point that they snuck into the stadium when they weren't supposed to be there and. That's the part that was illegal. It wasn't the stealing of signs. It was the circumstances uh, by which they obtained the opportunity to steal signs. But if you steal signs on game day uh, or, you know, by uh, legally obtaining videotapes of practices or whatever, I think that's uh, okay. You know, there's some unwritten rules of baseball that you're not supposed to steal signs from the catcher and stuff like that. And uh, I think, well, who writes these unwritten rules anyway? Well, they, they regulate that themselves. If a catcher sees you trying to look down to catch the signs, they throw the ball at your head. Well, so they I regulate that. But yeah, then you got situations like the we'll the throw giant. a ball at the catcher's head. I don't I think that's part of the game that you need to cover up your signs so that people can't figure them out. I, I can agree with that to an extent. Okay. I, I really can't. Like, there is no rule. Why, why are these people it? so stupid that they use the same signs every freaking week, week in and week out? Um, That's just one's the dumb. fastball, two's the curve, and three's hey, let's fool them. Two's gonna be the fastball, and one's the curve. They'll never guess that. 
Well, they've kind of gone to their whole like head thing, but you know, there were that Bobby Thompson shot her around the world when the Giants came back and beat the Dodgers. You may not remember, I wasn't alive. I think it's way I, back I in that old, but I know all Don Newcomb, you know, the guy hits the home run. They all came out, these Giants players all came out and admitted that they had somebody in center field with binoculars looking in at the catcher's signs and signaling that to the players. Like Bobby Thompson knew that a fastball was coming when he hit that home run. And that's how they went from the bottom of the league or wherever they how many games they were back up to winning the league that 13 winning games the, behind. Yeah, 13 games back. 13 and, games, I think. They were only and, 13. And, and they won the division. Like that's how they did it. They stole signs. Division? They, there was no all, division. Whatever it was. It was league. They all National they all league. admitted that this is what they did. They stole signs. You know, I mean, and then Don Newcomb spends like a lot of his life like depressed because he gave up this home run. Well, the other people are cheating. It's frustrating to me. I mean, I, I just, I'd like to see, um, I don't know. I just hate the way money has corrupted the whole situation and it's worse than it used to be. Because now people realize we can craft or, or manipulate or change the conditions of certain games. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to let some teams spear other people because we want them to be hurt so that they lose the game. So the more popular team gets to play in the next playoff game. And it's networks working hand in hand with leagues, you know, to like put all this together. I mean, I, I can't prove any of this. It's just it's what makes no, the I, most I, sense I, I out totally of what I'm watching. What yeah. I'm watching makes sense by that explanation. You know, in, in the martial arts, which I know you're a practitioner of, you know, back in the day, uh, there was a samurai code, you know, by which you did not, you know, disgrace the honor of yourself or the school by cheating. That You just didn't do that. Right. Um, but um, now, yeah, you pretty much do. Yeah, just, well, we got to take our break, man. Let, let's take a let's break. Let's take a break. Make some I don't money. know what we're coming back to talk to after this, but I rest assured it'll be interesting. All so right. Hang on. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, and we're back. We took our commercial break. So our sponsors can get in. You can get all your betting in. You can get everything you want to get in to help people make money. People to take your money. This is okay. how this works. We're yeah, just trying to take your money, money to the the American Cheaters Association, which yeah. we just started. Uh, it's a, a association to fight back against those who criticize cheating. Uh, we just thought we ought to do it out in the open and admit that we support these 
these people. And so, yeah, we're going to have a retirement accounts for uh, cheating people. And just support <laughs> it. Uh, we support cheating in all aspects. Hey, let's Man. talk about something else. Let's talk about, I'll give you two, you know, Joel and I decided today we were just going to do it off the cuff today and see how it went. Um, I would like to talk either about uh, Flacomania and its encroachment upon sanity and the Cleveland Browns, I or I'd like to this. talk about the defense and whether the defense can survive uh, in the situation in which uh, there's injuries and they're not as uniformly strong as they were at the beginning of the season. What would you let's, like? Let's talk about Flacomania. You tell me about Flacomania. Okay. Is, is it like Hulkamania? Yeah, pretty much. It's just Are severe. You... It's a it's a disease of the brain. Okay. Uh, well, you know, Cleveland has just worshipped quarterbacks, and there's this this mania that we can't win unless we have this quarterback. You know, and I would compare it to this: that in the baseball team, you know, back in the days when they were called the Cleveland Indians, they, they would be, have the worst earn run average in baseball. And Phil Seggy was the general manager. He says, what are you going to do, Phil? What are we going to do? This team is so terrible. And he says, oh, you know, we really need to get a left-hander for our bullpen. Thought, you idiot, you need to get anybody who can throw the ball. Who cares about whether he's left-handed or not and whether he's a relief pitcher or a starter? Get somebody who can throw the ball. And we have the same um, kind of uh, fixation on the quarterback. The quarterback is the only one that matters on the offense. The wide receivers don't matter. The offensive line certainly doesn't matter. They don't make any catches. They don't get any yards uh, on the ground. They, they don't matter. Running backs don't matter. All that matters is the quarterback and their one loss record. And um, a lot of the fans are just ready to dump Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's had, what, uh, three starts in his career? Mm-hmm. And the only one one of them. So let's get rid of him. Um, sit his ass on the bench. We've got Joe Flacco. Oh, we have Joe Flacco. And for those of you who can't see, the heavens are departing. The sun oh, is coming yes. down, and the Hallelujah chorus is being oh, sung. It's, it's, it's directly it's, into Elias here. Just saying his name just makes me feel better. Uh, and he, you know what did Joe Flacco do? He threw for 240 yards. He put the ball in the air 44 times. And he completed more than 50% of his passes, only had one uh, interception when he threw a deep ball inadvisedly. And we just think, oh, he was just so good that it's time to get rid of our young quarterback and turn the ball over to this guy who has won a Super Bowl uh, 15 years ago or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I'm just not there, man. Um, so the, the so the Flacco mania is we need to start Flacco because he's it's an good. irrational uh, desire to journey into a new quarterback that um, there, there's you know we got a new quarterback possibility and so we're going to jump on that and we're going to abandon uh, a guy that we believed in after months of uh, study mm-hmm. on the problem in the summer training camp. I think this just comes Joshua down to Dobbs could be traded. But, you know, the thing is, is that nobody had any film on Flacco and the Browns until the first half of the game with the Rams. And after they had that, the Rams were able to stop him. And 
I don't well, know. Okay, all right, let, me, let, me, well. let me jump in on this now. So I think it just comes down to what do you view the rest of your season as? If you think you can make the playoffs, it's worth playing Joe Flacco just because he's experienced. He seemed very comfortable. The parts of the offense that he did have, he had command of, and he really kind of like calmed the whole situation down. So I do like that part of it. Now, if you're like, well, our season's a wash, let's just just prepare for next year. You want to throw Dorian Thompson Robinson in there because you need him to be ready to go for next year. You're not keeping Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is not replacing Deshaun Watson. I don't know whose dream that is, but that's not happening. So <laughs> now that, that is that is an advanced case of Flacco mania. That, that that's not go, happening. You need to be hospitalized if that's where you are. Yeah, that that's not happening. So. I mean, right now you're still in the playoff hunt. It may be worth it to start Flacco, but I mean, to your point about the first half and the second half, Flacco's maybe understands 10% of the playbook, maybe. And they're running a lot of outside zone offense, right? They're not doing the spread them out and throw the ball over the yard situation. They're handing the ball off in outside zones. They're running play actions off that. They're running rollouts, right? This is the outside zone offense. So teams know what that is. Teams know what you can do to stop that situation. And if that's what you're doing and you figure that out in the first half, it's pretty easy to adjust to this is what we got to do to stop this situation. So I'm hoping if they start Flacco next week, he will have a bigger command of the playbook and therefore could open the offense up a little bit, which would make teams be more honest than the Rams had to be last week. Yeah, well, see, I think that uh, DTR is extremely well prepared because he had five years at a major college uh, school. I think that he's, as a backup quarterback, uh, he's the person that's best prepared to uh, win right now with the Cleveland Browns. I don't believe that we're preparing him for next season. I think that's Deshaun Watson's season. We don't really want him, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, to play. Um, but but I just, if you want just, Dorian Thompson Robinson to be effective, he's got to get in there and put in his five, six games before he gets used to the NFL speed. That's just professional football, mm-hmm. right? You, you, He's got to have so many games under his belt before he gets comfortable. Okay. So if you think you're going to make the playoffs or have a chance at the playoffs, you can't put DTR out there you know, and expect him to carry the team into the playoffs because he can't, I mean, he's still adjusting to the game. This is like CJ Stroud week one, week two, and week three. He's not CJ Stroud of week 12. He's CJ Stroud of week three and week four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, you know, really this team is going to make the playoffs based on defense, not on offense. And I think that what, what I think is that the guy that has had the most experience with the playbook is the guy that's most likely to hang on to the football. If in fact the uh, coaching staff allows him to do that. Now, if, if you decided that the quarterback has to throw the ball 44 times a game in order to win, I, you know, I just don't think that this is going to uh, end well, no matter who plays. I, I don't know that they can beat the Jaguars by throwing the ball 44 times. Well, you can do that with Deshaun Watson. Well, you can't right now because he's not on a team. He doesn't have a shoulder right status. now. So. But uh, but I, I really think I think it was crazy to uh, 
have a guy that's been on a team for a week and a half and have him put the ball up 44 times. I, I think that they're lucky that they didn't get more uh, turnovers by doing that. I think that, um, I think that, you know, there's a chemistry problem between a new quarterback and the receivers that was mm-hmm. going to take a couple of weeks to get fixed. Yep. Um, I don't know if we can afford to wait a couple of weeks while Joe. That same issue with out. DTR. I think we've been through that. Um, lot, you know, that adjustment period is further along with the rookie than with the veteran. Frankly. I think it is further along right now with DTR. You give it one more week. It'll probably be about dead even. The longer it goes, the more that it would make sense to turn to Flacco. I agree with that. Yes. But uh, if if uh, if DTR can go this week, he should go. Um, but I also think that they need to to really change the pass to run ratio to something reasonable. I'd like to see the power running game. Convince me that it won't work before you. Well, I think uh, you go back and watch the Rams game. It'll convince you that the power run and the outside zone won't work because it didn't work. First down, they get two yards. Second down, they get two yards. Third down, they're in third and six, third and long. I mean, that was a pretty consistent Mm -hmm. theme until they decided, okay, well, first down, we're going to have to throw the ball because if we line it up and run it, we're going to be in third and nine, which is what they were doing all game. So that's how mm-hmm. you end up throwing it 44 times is because the running game, they're, they're selling out to stop the running game. And then you've got Flacco, who's doesn't have that rapport, who's rusty because he hasn't played in God knows how long. But mm-hmm. the, the signs of him being a good quarterback are there, but they're also the signs of why he was unemployed are there. So, you know, I mean, I think some of the connection would be better week two, week three, week four. But given the fact that Deshaun Watson's hurt, this is what's hurting our season. You know, that's what it is. I mean, even uh, yeah. the whole yeah, rail well, of quarterbacks is getting benched up in Minnesota. So, okay. Wait, who's getting benched in Minnesota? Uh, what's his name? The guy we traded away to. Joshua to Dobbs? Yeah, Dobbs was getting benched in Minnesota last I saw. Really? Who do they yeah. got to replace him? Not Josh Dobbs. I think that's what it is. It's either Josh Dobbs or not Josh Dobbs. Mm, interesting. Well, yeah, I guess what I would say that, uh, is that no matter who they have, uh, this team is not going to win because of the quarterback uh, excelling and and out out pitching the uh, opposing quarterback. I think that it's going to be a defensive team, and I think that they're going to win by not turning the ball over on offense. I don't really care if they get stopped um, and have to punt. I don't think it's a bad play for this team. And I think if you you know if you continue to have faith in the run, even if they stop you, I think you'll start to see payoffs mm-hmm. in the second half. Well, you're um, going to have to at least get one, two, or three first downs a drive. You need to get some first downs. So yeah, you're gonna yeah, have to get some first really downs every think drive. That you cannot you probe the other team, you can't run right, you can't run left, and you can't run up the middle. Uh then and you're gonna uh, need good special teams play. You can't have Prochet out there letting the ball go to like the two yard oh line. Goodness. He needs to catch the ball. Yeah, we do need to have just catch yeah, the ball. We need to excel at um, special teams. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Elliot, I think we're running up on time, man. 
Okay. So, good conversation today. Thanks for listening to me gripe about like crap that's bothering me. I just think the monetization of this game is out of control. Out of control. And it, well, it irritates me. I just wish they would pay analysts the same as they pay the athletes. That's what I would like to see. Let me throw this at you. Here, I've got a stat for you. I just looked this up. Speaking of power running game. Uh, Nick Harris played three offensive stats against the Rams. And I wanted to run him up the middle, play after play after play, and prove that they could stop him before giving up on Nick him. Harris? Like, you know he's mm-hmm. not a running back, right? He's a fullback. I wanted Nick to block. Harris is a center. He's also the fullback, my man. That's why they put an offensive lineman at fullback. I mean, like, he's mm-hmm. an offensive lineman. There's no way he should be yeah. touching the football. He's not touching the football. He's the blocking back. Well, you said you want to give him the ball. Got... I want to have a running back run the ball while Nick Harris is blocking. So, for you the... know, one of the easiest way to I want him where... to get offensive snaps, but he only had three against the Rams. That is what I consider the power running game is when you have a fullback uh, blocking for you. You know, that's you realize, Elliot, when you start putting a fullback Mm -hmm. fullback in there, the ball goes 90% of the time, the ball goes where the fullback's going. And if I know that, you know that a defense knows that. Yeah. So defense is just, just, okay, here comes the fullback. Let's just run over there. Prove that they can stop it. You know, just because, you know, can their big guys stop our big guys? Maybe they can. But I want to see proof before I just give well, up. If they're allowed to hold our big guys and prevent them from getting to the oh, second level, it can always happen. Prove that <laughs> it won't work, then give up. Don't, All right. don't give Look, up. Look, Elliot, we got to jump off here. We'll we'll talk to everybody next week. Send in your questions. Okay. Chat with us. Uh, thanks for putting up with my existential crisis. I'll try to get over myself by next week. Uh, I just I think just the the monetary situation plus the just. The stupidity that I watch on on Twitter just got me this week. I just want to see twenty snaps, twenty snaps for the fullback when we have a quarterback that hasn't played football for the Browns longer than a week and a half. Well, we've got two and a half weeks now, so maybe we don't. Okay. Need All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Brownies. Please like and follow us on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Go Browns!